What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bench Chatter, the common man's NBA podcast. I'm your host, Colin, here with my co-host, Noah, coming at you live on this Sunday night, ready to talk some Week 6 fantasy basketball. Ooh, let's go, Colin. Week 6, baby. We're really getting into the meat of the season now, Colin. You know, the the hype of the new season starting, Colin, I think has died out a little. This mm-hmm. is uh this is when the real sickos like you and I this is where you win the league, Con. This is where you win the league. No, I just I want to bring up a disclaimer. Um I haven't told you about this, but I was perusing the fantasy basketball subreddit as we do frequently. And there was a gentleman on there that posted and said anybody else addicted to fantasy basketball and he had this big story about how he just like couldn't stop checking fantasy basketball did you post that was that you um no but i also did see that con and i very much resonated with it yeah yeah (laughs) i wasn't i wasn't too far off and i like that the top comment was like there's all there's there's other things you could be addicted to that are certainly worse than fantasy basketball (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I could think of a couple. <laughs> one or two, one or two, yeah. And then I like that like the next top comment was like, the first thing I do when I get to work today is check my lineup for like an hour. And I was like, well, you know, this guy working hard. Working hard. We're all something. living the same lives out here, Con. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. So I, I just want to throw it out there. If you are addicted to fantasy basketball, you found the right place. This is, not this is your place. Yeah, you're not alone. We um, go over it together. <laughs> Before we get started, Con, I just wanted to mm-hmm. uh I think we gotta pour one out real quick for our boy, uh, Luke Walton. He has officially right, been fired by the Kings, Con, after their six and eleven start. Who saw it coming? <laughs> Not us. Not coming. Not a, yeah. Not literally everybody. Yeah, I don't understand why he was brought back, like at all. Didn't it make feels any like sense. It maybe should have happened like two seasons ago, Con. <laughs> Seriously, like the Kings had that one year where they kind of almost made the playoffs, and everybody was like, "Huge dub, Luke Walton, two more guaranteed years." And it's like, well, that's, you know, more than half the teams make the playoffs actually in the NBA. So it's it's really not terribly hard. <laughs> Statistically, you should be competitive like every other season. So, yeah, but no, you shared an interesting stat with me about, uh, you know, Luke Walton's. Oh, you, you know what? You didn't share this with me. So I saw this on Reddit today. Luke Our friends shared it with both of us. Our friends, yes. <laughs> okay, that was it. Luke Walton, despite finishing uh, his tenure with the Kings uh, with a record of, of... Where is it? I can't find it. Whatever. Luke Walton had the second best record in Kings history. Second best record, and he was about 30 games below 500. That's pretty nuts. Uh, at the bottom of that list, Con was actually George Carl. I was pretty shocked to see that. Uh, I can really? pull it up real quick, Con. Sorry, this is quite unprofessional of us, but I know Luke Walton, Con finished sixty-eight and ninety-three in his tenure in Sacramento. That put him 
the Kings moved to Sacramento in 1985, Colin, and since then they've had 18 different head coaches. And with the record of 68-93, Luke Walton has the second highest winning percentage of all time out of any Sacramento Kings coaches. That is the stat I was looking for. Thank you for finding it. Yeah, that uh, is pretty impressive that your franchise can be that terrible. <laughs> I'm not. I really, it, I, it's, it's shocking to me. And that roster, I mean, it's it's a decently talented roster. I don't know. Luke Walton, he did the one thing with the Warriors, and that, that's pretty much what he did. That might be the rest of his basketball <laughs> career. All right, Noah, that's, that's enough on the preamble. The people came for some fantasy basketball talk, so we're going to give them some fantasy basketball talk. Schedule this week, Noah, which is a nice transition into, Interesting, given the Thanksgiving festivities going on this week, happy Turkey Day to all those of our listeners that celebrate, and it's going to mess the schedule up a bit. So, uh, to note, the majority of the teams, 16 teams, about half the league is playing four games, going to proceed as normal. You've got 12 teams playing three games, so watch out for these teams a little bit since they won't be as solid. The Nets, the Cavs, the Warriors, the Rockets, the Clippers, the Heat, the Knicks, the Thunder, the 76ers, Trailblazers, Spurs, and Raptors. And then you're really going to want to watch out for the cities that start with D, Dallas and Denver. Sorry, Detroit. Detroit's killing it. Detroit's bringing the average up on the Ds. But Dallas and Denver only playing two games this week. So you've got some owners there, uh, Jokic and Doncic. You're going to be hampered this week. You really want to get a, you're going to want to be active if you own one of those guys, especially because Jokic mm-hmm. missed Luca owners. Yeah, Luca yeah, owners crying in the club right now because Luca I think missed three out of the four Mavs games this week. Con, he's following it up with a two game week this week, and he might not even play one of them. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. And I know Jokic missed time on Friday versus the Bulls, which uh, you know mm-hmm. I had no quarrels with. Um, but I believe no, he. I mean, he's not playing tonight either. So I don't know what the update on Jokic is at the moment. So it, it says he's expected to be out until at least November twenty third. Uh, putting that, he might return for the Blazers game on Tuesday, maybe. Either way, big emphasis on making sure that if you have some stock in Dallas and Denver, that you're up and being active on the waivers. All right, Noah, break down this schedule day-to-day, and this could be the most interesting one we've actually ever gone over. Yeah, this schedule actually is pretty weird this week, Con, with no one playing on Thursday this week due to Thanksgiving and Looking at the number of teams playing each day, Con, we have 20 teams playing on Monday, 8 teams playing on Tuesday, 26 teams playing on Wednesday, 24 teams playing on Friday, 16 teams playing on Saturday, and 10 teams playing on Sunday this week, Con. So the low-volume game days are Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you're probably going to have full, if not near full, lineups. And the back-to-backs, I actually think, are quite important this week, Con. Uh, on Monday, Tuesday, we have none. On Tuesday, Wednesday, we have Detroit, the Lakers, the Heat, and the Blazers, all with a back-to-back. 
On Wednesday, Thursday, we have none. On Thursday, Friday, we have none. On Friday, Saturday, Atlanta, Charlotte, Chicago, Minnesota, New Orleans, New York, Orlando, Phoenix, Utah, and Washington, all with a back-to-back. No back-to-backs on Saturday, Sunday, Colin. And Indiana and the Clippers have a back-to-back on Sunday, Monday. So, this is a lot to get into, Colin, because the teams that play on the low-volume game days, Colin, are even more important this week than they are usually in a normal week. And those teams we're looking at are the Dallas Mavericks, Colin. They play both of their games on Tuesday and Saturday for the week. So, while they only play two games, Colin, they still are going to be a team that you're going to look at to stream because they play on Tuesday and Saturday, two of the lowest volume game days. So, uh, from the Mavericks, you're probably looking at Jalen Brunson. I hope not. I hope someone picked up Jalen Brunson by now. He's been killing it. Um, You got a Dorian Finney-Smith. You got a Maxi Kleba, Dwight Powell, Reggie Bullock, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. if he's there. The Mavs have options. But you're only gonna want these guys for Tuesday, Saturday, Con. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, you, yeah, absolutely. You, on the other days, you should be looking to drop these guys and potentially pick them back up on Saturday. Um, the Miami Heat, Con. This week they have three games on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday. Uh, someone I really like from the Heat, Con, is PJ Tucker. I think you said he's been putting up 25 points uh, pretty consistently over the last 10-ish games. Yeah. Uh, so he's someone you could look at for this week on the low volume game days. You could look at Duncan Robinson too if you need to stream three pointers. Um, the Knicks con they play three games on Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, so for the Knicks, you know you get a nice back to back on Friday, Saturday, and you get their game on Tuesday. Uh, for them, you could be looking at anyone ranging from Alec Burks, you know, Nerlens Noel, um, Derrick Rose, Manuel Quickly. Uh, Knicks got a lot of options for you. The Pistons, Con, they play four games on Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Um, the Pistons are going to be a team that a lot of people look to this week. You know, your guys like Cade, Beastu, Stadik Bay, Jeremy Grant, they're already picked up. But yeah. the Knicks actually, I really like Corey Joseph this week, Con, because Killian Hayes is hurt. And Corey Joseph has seen a lot of those guard minutes. I think Corey Joseph could be a really good option this week. I think Frank Jackson, Josh Jackson, they're all good options. Uh, the Clippers and Lakers. The Lakers play four games on Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So with the Lakers, you know, you could be looking at Taylor Horton Tucker, Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk, Carmelo. They got a lot of options. And then a Clippers con, the team that we've, I feel like we've been talking about quite a bit over the past couple weeks. Which they have three games sense. on Tuesday, Friday, Sunday. And they're kind of a fantasy. They got their fantasy con. You're looking at Reggie Jackson, Eric Bledsoe, Luke Kennard. Ibaka Zubak, Serge Ibaka, uh, Nick Batum, who actually entered health and safety protocols today, Con, yeah. so he's going to miss the whole week. So don't. Um, Terrence Mann, you know, the Clippers are pretty deep. And uh, this is a little podcast exclusive, Colin. Um, yeah. I'm just going to read off the teams that play on Tuesday, Sunday, on Tuesday and Sunday, the two lowest game days. So like teams it. that play on Tuesday, Con, that you're going to want to target. Dallas, Denver, Detroit, both L.A. teams, Miami, New York, Portland. Teams that play on Sunday, Con, Boston, Detroit, Golden State, Indiana, both L.A. teams again, Memphis, Milwaukee, Sacramento, Toronto. And teams that play on Tuesday, Sunday, like I already said, Detroit, Clippers, Lakers. So you're really looking at 
you're really going to want players, if you're looking to stream this week, from Detroit or either of the L.A. teams, and you're covering all your low game days with those three teams. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, and, I mean, just given the way that pretty much all of those teams are actually constructed, there's always going to be waiver guys on both the L.A. teams. I mean... The Lakers may be a bit less so because when they're fully healthy, obviously they're big three. And then maybe Mello and THT are, are going to be doing the lion's share, but other guys have to get involved. So there's always going to be somebody to get picked up. And then with the Clippers, I mean, outside of Paul George, th- there hasn't been a ton of consistent production from anyone. So on any given night, somebody on the Clippers could really go off. I know that... Terrence Mann has had his fair share. I know Eric Bledsoe has had a couple games where he's just looked like a monster, and then, you know, the next night he'll put up two points. So Clippers are a very interesting one. And then, you know, when you're a team like Detroit, you're gonna they're gonna like they're gonna play like 25 guys this year are, are gonna get mm-hmm. like minutes throughout the year. So <laughs> yeah, somebody's there. Somebody's there. Already know. It. With that, let's get into. Potential rest of season value, and for for this point in the season, no, I'm actually I, I like what we've put together. I think that there are a couple guys here who I really like, and am a bit shocked by the rostered percent. If I'm being candid with you, for some of these guys, mm-hmm. because it, they all seem to have fairly significant roles on their respective teams, so. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, shout out to all the redheads out there. Let's start it off with, you know, the second most famous redhead in NBA history, Kevin Huerter. Yeah, Kevin Huerter, Colin, was one of the first players who I was pretty shocked at his percent rostered. Uh, He's 30% rostered on Yahoo right now, 11.6% rostered on ESPN, Colin. And earlier this week, DeAndre Hunter had surgery on his right wrist, Colin, to repair some uh, torn ligaments, I believe. And he's mm-hmm. slated to miss about two months, Colin. So at the minimum, he's out for the next seven weeks. Um, and there's going to be a lot of minutes for Huerter to play in that starting lineup next to Trey Young because they decided to you know, move Huerter into that starting lineup, Colin. They also extended Huerter this offseason. Um, clearly showing that you know they like what this guy brings to the team and they believe in him. And in his four most recent starts, Colin, he missed one uh, game this week due to a hamstring tightness, but in his four most recent starts, he's averaging 18.8 points, two and a half assists, four rebounds, and four three-pointers made, Con. And while Cam Reddish is looking to fill in some of those minutes that Hunter was providing, um, Huerter is going to be involved enough to offer pretty good multi-category production, and I also love the thought of Huerter playing next to Trey Young, Colin, because I think it allows him to excel as a secondary playmaker. And I also think it takes some of the pressure off because, you know, without Huerter in that lineup, Colin, Trey Young really is the only true playmaker on the court. And I think Huerter can you know, help himself by alleviating some of the playmaking duties. And I also think Trey Young is a pretty good off-ball player, Colin. So I see this as something, you know, that the Hawks will like. Um, and I think that Trey Young and Quevin Huerter will both like. And yeah, we we saw Huerter have a pretty similar opportunity to last year, Con. Um, mm-hmm. You know, DeAndre Hunter missed time last year. And from mid-January to late March, Con, that was DeAndre Hunter's first injury stint. Huerter, when Huerter entered the starting lineup, he was a top 100 player in nine-cat leagues, Con. 
And I like that. After that, DeAndre Hunter came back to the starting lineup, Con, and he got hurt again. And this allowed Huerter to enter the starting lineup again, Con, which basically lasted all of April. And he was a top 60 player in 9-cat. Wow. Top 60? Yeah. Available the month right of April. now? Let's and get it. to me, this is a no question must add. No. No, and Hunter's out for at least eight weeks. I mean, that's two yeah. months. And who knows? It's not like Hunter is an incredibly healthy kind of character. Something else could easily pop up. And, you know, in the in the short term, too, Bogdanovich is day-to-day right now. So that's only going to further the role that Herder is going to play. And also apologies to all of our Atlanta fans. Um, you know, I, I said Herder to start, and that just felt wrong. It's, it's Kevin Herder. So I, I want to apologize to anybody out there, you know, for miss. Was I saying it wrong that whole time? Yeah. Yeah, because I said it wrong first, and I think we just kind of went with it, little podcasting, you know, trick. You know, I say something, you say something, but Kevin Herter, Kevin Herter, um, yeah. I mean, it, we're talking about a guy here, Noah, that we've seen kind of catch the limelight, and he played so well in that playoff run that the Hawks had last year that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a bit surprised that his role has been as minimal as it has been with mm-hmm. DeAndre Hunter healthy. I mean, it, you know, he was catching like some serious bench minutes, you know, bef- before mm-hmm. his uh, first real start of the year. I mean, prior to that, he was averaging 21 minutes a game. I, I don't know. That just feels like an underutilization of his potential, especially because we're talking about a guy who, while not terribly young because he did play so long in college, um, you know, he, he's only 23. Like, yeah, I feel, and I, I feel think... like he's got room to grow, and it was shown last year. Yeah, yeah, and I think part of the problem uh, with the lackluster numbers he was putting up uh, before prior to starting Colin was that, you know, in those bench lineups, Colin, he really is one of... Him and Trey Young are, like, a very short list of actual playmakers on that Hawks team, Colin. So when mm-hmm. Trey Young's not on the floor, you know, Kevin, Kevin Herter, jeez, yes. I wanted to say Herter again, he has a hard time, you know, making plays for other people out on the court, and that's why I love this pick even more since he's going to be playing so many minutes next to Trey. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point, too. Yeah, because the Hawks are a very interestingly built team. I mean, especially without Bogdanovich there. I mean, Trey obviously likes to shoot the three ball, but um, I, I wouldn't consider them a, a team flushed with that. So... I like Herter's role there as well because, you know, if he can fulfill that shooting guard role a bit more uh, as a role player would while 
doing the playmaking that you're talking about, I see him to have a lot of value across multiple categories here. Yeah. I I love Herter this week. I, I think he no way that he should be available right now. If he is, you should go pick him up. I mean, that's facts. That's facts. All right, let's move on to this next guy here, a guy that really needs no introduction. Um, <laughs> Australian great, Patty Mills. He's only 30% rostered on Yahoo, 15% on ESPN. I feel like after that opening night game where he splashed like seven threes, <laughs> I, I, I think people kind of thought that was what his trajectory was, and then he very much slowed down, and a lot of people dropped him. And I think he's kind of back now, Noah. I think he's back. Mm-hmm. You know, my personal pick calling to win sixth man of the year. Uh, Joe Harris and Bruce Brown have been injured as of late, Con. And with Joe Harris injured, he's slated not play until at least next weekend at the minimum. And there's no guarantee he plays next weekend. Patty Mills has quickly stepped in and filled that guard role next to James Harden in the starting lineup. And Patty Mills in three straight games, Colin, has scored more than 20 in his last three or four games. He said 21 threes over that four-game stretch, Colin, and average an 18% usage rate. Um, he's not going to add a ton of non-scoring stats, Colin, especially playing next to James Harden, who gobbles up the assists and rebounds. But he's going to continue to get enough opportunities to remain a valuable contributor, in my opinion. And if you need to stream points and three-pointers this week, Colin, Patty is your guy. Yeah, he he's absolutely your guy. Um, it it's shocking to me how many games he has this year, with more than five three pointers attempted. It's about half the games that he's played, which is surprising to me, given that y- you have James Harden, you have Joe Harris, which is just one of the best spot up shooters in the league. You know, I, I think he has the most corner threes hit in the NBA this year. You have Kevin Durant, who's an obvious playmaker. And and you have Patty Mills still getting those kind of attempts. I mean, when when you knock him down at the rate that he's knocking him down, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, I, I take uh, 48% three-point shooting if I'm Steve Nash. So, you know, no harm, no foul there. But it appears as though he's kind of carved out that role for the Nets, especially in this starting lineup. When he's he's catching thirty minutes these last four games, and he went on a streak of ten games where he wasn't that seeing those kind of minutes. Especially if he continues to play this well, I don't see why the Nets proceed without him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. And I, I don't see why they wouldn't either. Other thing to consider, too, you know, during this hot stretch of uh, Patty Mills' dominance, the Nets are on quite the winning streak right now and sit again where they probably belong atop of the Eastern Conference with only two losses on the month, Noah, going to the Warriors and Bulls. So, I don't know. Maybe that says something. Should we? And then, no, I don't know um, the exact specifics of this, but the Nets are a team that is prone to blowouts. Correct? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm yes. looking at a game against 
the Thunder, in which they ended up winning by 25 points, KD, so this, this game was November 14th, so a week ago, Patty Mills didn't start, but, beca- oh, well, combination of Joe Harris going down, ended up playing 31 minutes because he is kind of a guy who, you know, if the Nets are up by a lot, he's going to see more playing time, too. Like, he's not mm-hmm. so high on the roster that, you know, he's getting benched during blowouts. You could still see him out there. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that to happen semi-frequently. Yeah, so so do I. So, I don't know. I, I guess my, my point is I kind of see Patty Mills as, you know, an extra little plus if the Nets are playing weaker. Yeah, just, yeah, I I agree with that. All right, fine. Thank you for agreeing. Noah, why don't you lead into this next guy? He's a guy that's uh, close to my heart, close to your heart. Yeah, and that individual, Colin, is Mr. Josh Hart, who is 55% roster on Yahoo right now, Colin, 18.2% roster on ESPN. And Josh Hart continues to prove to be one of the most consistent players on this uh, pretty bad Pelicans roster, Colin. Um, Hart has been one of the bright spots this season, I would say, for the Pelves, carving out a nice role for himself. Uh, he can play multiples of position, Colin. He also offers the Pelicans nice wing, good wing defense, which not a lot of players on that team can. And over the season, Colin, Josh Hart is averaging 12 points, 6 rebounds, and 3.4 assists in 30 minutes a night. Uh, over the last seven days, though, Colin, Josh Hart has pushed those numbers to 14 points, almost 8 rebounds a game, 3.3 assists, and 1.5 steals in just around 34 minutes a night, Colin. On the season, this guy is shooting 49.4% from field from the field, Colin, and 86% from the free throw line. Sheesh. Uh, uh, he's by uh, far... He's by far one of, if not the best guard position players to stream for rebounds, Colin, which I think gives him some inherent value just on itself. Um, yeah. And while he won't wow you with his steals, blocks, or threes, Colin, he's not a total zero in those categories. And I think Hart should be on a fantasy roster at least until Zion returns, Colin. And so, we have no clue when Zion's actually going to come back. Yeah. So I was about to say, uh, recently, the most recent news that came out uh, earlier this week, Zion had to take part in contact drills, including one-on-one workouts per Andrew Lopez of ESPN. Are the Pelicans at a spot now in this organization? I mean, we're talking about a team that has, what, two wins on the air? Three. I apologize. I think they picked one up uh, the other night um, in L.A. I don't know what L.A. was doing, but they allowed the Pelicans to win. They're 3-15. and 15. With the the 10th seed available to now make the, the play-in tournament, it, do you think the Pelicans try to come back with Zion and be competitive this year? Because... It gets to a point where if you tank too much, you just lose the locker room. Mm-hmm. But flip side, yeah. Zion's been injury prone. 
why rush him back for a season that, you know, kind of already like it's headed too far deep. Yeah, I, I I think if the season might be too far gone already at this point, Con, I think to even, you know, they're going to have to dig themselves out of a hole once Zion comes back to even, you know, be around a 500-ish team, which I think is what it'll take to make that plan in the West. And just looking at the roster construction, Con, it just doesn't seem like they're there yet. You know, they have guys that I don't see there being in the long term, like JV, you know, even Devontae Graham season it's just like do these guys really make sense for even the short term of the pelicans not really um personally if i was the pelicans gm i think you know they're probably looking at getting one more high draft pick this year and really going at it the next well, year personally i'd fire myself if i was the pelicans gm but yeah so would i i probably would too <laughs> But all, all that is to say, like, I don't expect Zion to be back anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Like, just because this yeah. stuff is happening, like, if I'm Zion, I'm not rushing myself back for this team to do what, you know, try to go on a, a streak to win the 10th seed and yeah. then get bopped by, you know, whoever ends up being the 7th seed, like... You know, the Mavericks? Like, I don't know. I don't know. So, I think that it is going to inflate Josh Hart's value for a longer period of time. Yeah, so do I. I, I really like Josh Hart. On, you know, he's a guy who was killing it last season. And even this season, he's kept it up. And I still feel like that percent rostered is quite low, Colin. Yeah. 18% on ESPN. The fact that it's 55 on Yahoo speaks volumes to me that people just really don't seem to have his value straight. Because I, I know in our league, Noah, Josh Hart's a guy that on the season is averaging 26.5 points, and that's well above our benchmark of 25 points, and you start to become an actual rostered guy and not just a waiver guy. Mm-hmm. Muzzle top. Alrighty, Noah. I, I know that you're excited to talk about this last guy. So <laughs> why don't why don't you tell me yeah. about him? <clears throat> that guy is Mr. Alec Burks Con of the New York Knicks, who's currently thirty percent roster on Yahoo and five point nine percent roster on ESPN Con. And to this date, Con, the Knicks have one of the best bench units in the league. Um they've gotten great production from their secondary unit over the last couple of weeks and currently the Knicks bench is scoring the third most points in the league con at 40.7 points per game and there's only two other teams that are beating them con one is the Pistons at 41 and one is let me guess. In, okay uh the Celtics no uh, I just tried to you know kind of finish whatever you're saying uh it is the Spurs at 41.7 uh, the, so only uh, one point per game separating the Knicks and the Spurs. I, I do think the Knicks have the best bench in the league, Con. On the season, actually, Con, the Knicks starting five is a minus 14 on the season. Their bench, though, Con, is plus 124 on the season. What? Yeah. That's... 
right, just as a as a guy who watched a lot of Tom Thibodeau basketball, the bench was always very important for him, and, and it was very formulaic in that the the second unit would come out and play for the first. Five to eight minutes of the second quarter, like slowly bringing in the starters, like throughout that, and then mm-hmm. that was kind of like not it because you know he would make substitutions here and there, but he would really roll like with mostly the starters after that period into you know making the substitutions at you know specific spots, but keeping the core the core. You know, while giving guys breathers, so it's it's quite shocking to me that Thibodeau is allowing his bench players enough minutes to actually succeed. Yeah, it's actually <clears throat> really interesting, Colin, because uh, the Knicks have not been playing as good of defense as I have last year, Colin, and I think an easy way to predict why is that you know you have Kemba and Evan Fournier in the starting lineup, Colin. say our defensive studs out there and i think tom likes his next well, bench unit con because they do have a they do have a proven score in alec burks and they also have two energetic guards and derrick rose and emmanuel quickly and obi toppin and taj gibson have been playing fantastically as their front court options gone so really their bench unit is coming in playing defense scoring helping the Knicks, you know, either extend their lead or get back into the game. And I think Tom Thibodeau is going to ride them for a lot of this season because he can't really move Kemba or Fournier out of that starting lineup gone after signing both of them this summer. I just don't think it would, you know, send the right message. But I agree. Burks, is, Burks has a significant role for this Knicks team, Con being a scorer and a playmaker off the bench. Um In the last, he scored 14 points or more, Con in four of his last five games. He just dropped his season-high 20 points this Saturday against the Rockets. He hit six threes, and he hit and he had five steals in that game. He said two or more threes in his last five games, and in those five games, Con Burks has averaged a near 20% usage rate. He's averaged 10 field goal attempts after only averaging six field goal attempts over the first 10 games. And those extra shots have helped him bump his averages up to 14 points, four rebounds, two assists, and one and a half steals a game in right around 24 minutes. Um, I kind of feel about Alec Burks how I felt about Shake Milton, Con, but he's better oh, than Shake Milton. Like, those two are relatively the same player to me, Con, in my mind. I, I understand that. I, I get what you're saying. That... But Alec Burks is better. So, so the point of that analogy is that you believe Alec Burks to be sort of, sort of a, a flamethrower backup point guard that has spurts of not only fantastic playmaking but uh, scoring at a couple different levels on the court. Um, but you think he's a bit more consistent than uh, Shake Milton is. Uh, and Shake is a guy who's quite yeah. familiar with uh, building bricks. Yeah, and I mean, 
just like Millen, you know, Burks is going to have hot streaks during the season and cold streaks during the season, Colin. And I think he's one of I think he's on one of his hot streaks right now. I so so if it's just for the week, you know, pick this guy up because he's on a heater right now. Yeah. And you know where he's really on a heater is his rebounds in like the last five games, six games are way up. I mean, in the last seven games, he's averaging five boards. Prior to that, he was averaging like three. You know, I I think there's a a strong correlation there. uh, Minutes played. But he's a guy that, from a guard position, is going to get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Pretty valuable. Pretty valuable, Mr. Noah. Just saying. Mm-hmm. I like it. Alrighty, anything else you would like to cover with Alec Burks before we move on to the waiver wire pickups? Uh, I think we can just get right into the waiver wire pickups. I like it. I like it. So, you know, we're, we're going to keep it sweet and simple here, Noah. You know, buzz me if there's something you want to say about one of these guys. If not, we'll leave them be. I know for, for most of these guys now, this list has been fairly consistent. So, you know, we, we've probably talked about them <laughs> on a different week. I think these first two guys have been in the list the entire season. Yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, they're still there. I mean, actually, Alex Caruso. I'm like I'm gonna keep saying it. Alex Caruso almost had a triple double the other night, so I if he's still on like somebody's waiver wires, I don't know what you're doing. That's more of an inclusion, just because you know you, you got to say his name, just because it's it's disrespectful that this man's only 35 percent roster on ESPN, averaging 25 points a game. Yeah, no, he posted a 53 point fantasy performance the other day. Sheesh. Yeah, but we lost, so, you know, bad Alex. Sheesh. Nice. Uh, Also on the list, we have Jalen Brunson, Devin Vassell, Franz Wagner, Lugens Dort, Deshaun Tate, Bobby Portis, who actually had a 60-point fantasy night the other day. If Bobby Portis is on your waiver wires, please go pick him up. I think Brooke Lopez is just decided to say peace out to Milwaukee for <laughs> an undefined period of time. So Bobby Portis, in the meantime, is fantasy elite. Larry Nance Jr. And Noah, the first guy on the list that we're going to talk about, Kevin Love. What an interesting character here. Because why is he still in Cleveland? I couldn't tell you. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I mean, no one wants that contract, Colin. And Kevin Love seems pretty content to make that much money in the city of Cleveland right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Well, he is a guy, Noah, that um, really in his return after missing a, a pretty substantial period of uh, time there this season, is returning to a Cavs team that is without Evan Mobley. And I think he's going to fill a, a pretty big spot on that team. He played in the uh, the back-to-back that they had a couple days ago with the Nets and the Warriors. And he had some nice stat lines. 
against the Nets, 11 points, 9 boards, 2 assists. Against the Warriors, 17 points, 7 boards, 2 assists. That's just solid production. And it, it seems as though he's going to have that role on this Cavs team. I, I don't know if it's so that they can maybe trade him. I, they're actually winning, so that could also be it. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. But with Evan Mobley out, I really like Kevin Love as the replacement there on a team that is doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. They, they yeah, kind so of need I. to play Kevin Love if, if they want to keep winning. Someone you know, has they're to not fill those tank. minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and Laurie Markkinen sure isn't, you know, banging down the boards. <laughs> Yeah, go stand yeah. <laughs> seven foot tall freak. <laughs> so I, I like Larry Markin. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy, but you know, not not too sad. He's playing elsewhere. Yeah, that's Kevin Love. I mean, you, you kind of know what you're getting with Kevin Love. Couple points, couple boards. You know, maybe if he can keep flirting with a double double, we'll take it. Next on the list, Bones Highland. Talked about him last week. Then we have Chimizi Matu. Mat- let's let's run that one back, Noah. Uh, oh, we have Chimizi Matu. There we are. <laughs> Apologies. Been a lot better. To the, <laughs> the Kings. <laughs> Don't even get on me like that, guy. <laughs> Apologies for that one. All right, talk about Matu because we kind of got roasted last week for not including him on the list then. Yeah, um, in a very shocking move, Con, that I think almost no one saw coming. Uh, you know, the Kings' old coach, Luke Walden, elevated Matu into their starting lineup this week despite having a fully healthy roster, Con. He took Mo Harkless's starting spot, and he's played pretty well in that role, Con. He's averaging 11 points, 8 rebounds, 1 assist in 27 minutes. Um, he has a blocked shot in each three of his games as a starter, and he's made five threes over those three games. Um, I have no idea if this guy's going to keep it up, especially with the new coach coming in. Um, but I wouldn't trust the Kings, you know, once something's good going to actually keep it going, Con. But if Metu, you know, can put in good rapport with the new coach and keep that starting spot, he's very much worth a roster spot, Con, because he's almost been low. He's almost got a double double in all three of those games. Yeah, very fair. So, not trying to take the limelight away from Matu, but this is a perfect time to talk about Marvin Bagley, who's 36% roster on ESPN. I don't have the in front of me. I presume it's higher because it generally is. He's only played a handful of games so far this year, Noah. Uh, he's actually gotten some time uh, consistently over their last couple games. He's played 18 minutes, 11 minutes, 17 minutes. This is a guy who, uh, you know, kind of by all metrics deserves to be starting. Off-season issues with the Kings made that not so much. Does a Mm -hmm. new head coach resolve that in your mind? Because we know that a lot of the tension was with Luke Walton, but it also comes from the Kings front office not wanting to sign him. So does this new head coach uh, allow Bagley more playing time, the role that, you know, he probably deserves, or is this truly a a Bagley-centric issue that he wants more money, the Kings are not going to give it to him, and so he will 
sit out and do this sort of play when I feel like it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know, Colin. It's really I couldn't tell if the rift, you know, was between Marvin Bagley and the front office of the Kings, Colin, or if the rift, you know, was between Marvin Bagley and Luke Walton personally. Um I I don't think Marvin Bagley is a Kings a King player by the end of this season, Colin. I think, you know, even if the new coach plays him, I think he's really playing to get him traded and to me, Colin, it, it's only a matter of time until we see Marvin Bagley on the Detroit Pistons, if I'm being honest. Wow. The Pistons. Really? <laughs> I I think so. I, I think so, Colin. That that's your call. I I'm telling you, there there's a team out in the East that's that's doing pretty well right now. Uh, that lost their starting power forward uh, pretty early on in the uh, season. So, you know, uh, maybe we got exposed against Portland for not having a real big man not named Tony Bradley. And, you know, maybe it would be nice if if somebody could fill that role. I don't know. I would <laughs> take Marvin Bagley. I'm just saying. And the asking price cannot be that high. All right. Sorry for the tangent. Um, we, we've got Taylor Horton Tucker on this list. Uh, if Taylor Horton Tucker is on your, your waivers right now, I'm going to presume it's because people are nervous now that LeBron's back in the lineup. What kind of production Taylor Horton Tucker is going to have? And I'm not going to lie to you, Noah. I feel those concerns. I don't know <laughs> how excited yeah. I would be about... THT now that LeBron's back in the lineup because if we look at LeBron's turn return uh, in Boston THT went from a 52 point fantasy night with 25 points 12 boards 3 assists 2 steals and a block to 2 points 2 boards 3 assists 6 fantasy points I, I don't I just I don't know what kind of a role THT plays on that offense without LeBron there? Because it, you, you've set it up to the point where you, you've got LeBron, AD, Westbrook. Westbrook and LeBron are going to have the ball in their hands, and you, you tried to bring in all these old shooters and Mello, Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk to some extent, you know, guys to fill that role. And it feels like THT is just kind of in this in-between of, you know, he, he's Better all around than all those shooters, but not better than those three superstars that need the ball in their hands all the time it, to find his production. So, if you think he's purely just kind of like a, a, a bench guy coming in in that second unit and he's just going to tear it up? Do you think that, you know, LeBron is going to miss more games? You find value then? Where is THT in all this? Um, you know, I think he's. I think that entire Lakers lineup is still learning to play with each other, Colin. I I do think THT has some fantasy value to him. You know, I think he's going to be a good stonks guy. I think he's going to be a decent low end multi category player, Colin. But I think he's nothing more than a streamer, really. Um, you know, I thought he could potentially have some long term value for that team, but you know. We, we could be, you know, just looking at this too early, too, Colin. You know, he mm-hmm. just recently came back from injury a couple weeks ago, and he could 
just like I think Russ will, Connie, could prove to be more valuable in that middle of the season for the Lakers, you know? Yeah, very true. I think in crunch time, Colin, THT will be the starting four, for what I have to say about that. Interesting. Yeah, I I don't hate it. It's just I'd like to see the, the... the Carfax, you know, before I buy the car. I, I'd like to see yeah. some, some actual Carfax. All right, moving on. Grant Williams. Nice pickup. Wow, we're hitting the buzzer again. I ran into a lot of guys that we had to hit the buzzer on. Patrick Beverly, Noah, he's been cooking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was actually kind of debating, Colin, between writing about Patty Mills or Patrick Beverly, and I figured I'd save Patrick Beverly for next week. But we can just, you know, hit on him right now. And he provides a lot more than Mills does, Colin. You know, while he's not getting the points or three-pointers that Mills does, um, you know, you get defensive contributions. You get assists. You get a rebounds from the guard slot, Colin, which is valuable. And he's another veteran guard finding success in his new spot this season. He started the last 10 games for the Wolves. He's averaging 29 minutes a game, Colin, with a 14% usage rate. And he's hit. He's had games, Colin. He's had, and in the last five of his last six games, Colin, he's had eight or more points this season. Um, in those six games, Colin, in his most six, recent six games, he's averaging 10 points, four assists, five rebounds, one steal, and a block. And I think the Minnesota Timberwolves coach, Chris Finch, really likes the pairing of Beverly next to D'Lo, Colin, in the backcourt. You know, Beverly helps alleviate a lot of the um, things that D'Lo's not bringing on the defensive end. And, yeah. I think Beverly is quickly becoming a leader for this Timberwolves team on defense, Con, You know, he's the right veteran presence they need, and I think he's going to continue to keep getting a ton of playing time. Yeah, I I agree. And to add to your point, Noah, um, using ESPN's uh, player rating metric, which I think we've described before, but it's basically just an aggregate of how much more effective you are in a given category than the average player. Um, and it just I'm looking at our bench or our waiver right now. Patty Mills is the most effective guy out there that you can stream. Fourth on our waiver, which is you know generally slimmer than most, is Patrick Beverly. I mean, he's a guy this last week that has a PR7 rating of 7. Which, if you were to extend that out over the year, it would likely end you up in the top 50. Just saying. Sheesh. Just saying, Noah. That's, yeah, that's what I'm here to say. Alrighty, moving on from Pat. We have Pat Connaughton. Uh, Gary Platon, a.k.a. The Glove, Jr., a.k.a. The Mitten. I personally like The Mitten better. Uh, we've got Zubats. I mean, that's my favorite guy for rebounds. Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, we also have Denny Avdia. Would you like to buzz me, Noah? <laughs> Who's Jeremiah Robinson Earl play for, Colin? Uh, the Bible. Yep. Leviticus. Yeah, that's, I mean, exactly. That's my favorite one, personally. <laughs> I looked it up, but if I was going to guess, I would have guessed the right team. Made a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Thunder. Yes, sir. All right. More tell point. me about Denny Avdia. Tell me about Denny Avdia. <laughs> uh, 
this is a guy that I really liked last year, Colin. You know, he's a second-year player drafted by the Wizards, and mm-hmm. he seems to he seems to have passed the eye test this season, Colin. I think he's made a pretty decent leap, and I think the stats are starting to show that as well. The biggest improvements he's made this season compared to his rookie year is he's he's really you know made a commitment to you know getting the glass getting the rebounds con he's stacked at least six rebounds and six out of his last seven games he's doubling his per game average compared to his first seven games this year con and he's relatively stable with his blocks con and his scoring has increased slightly um i think this improved play you know has brought him an increase in minutes and as long as he can maintain his current minutes, Colin, I think he should be able to help some rosters, especially as a waiver wire ad. Yeah, I mean, I like it a lot. His minutes per game has not dipped too much from last year when we when he had a pretty significant starting role when the Wizards were trying to figure out who he is and, and what he brings. His shots per game is down a bit, but it seems what he offers um, might, might not be... Exactly just on the offensive end. When he was drafted, what everybody loved about him was his playmaking. And it's weird because, you know, he went from a team with Russell Westbrook, the ultimate ball-in-my-hands playmaker, to now a a team with a bit more uh, leeway, uh, open space there. And his assists are, are really just... Less than satisfying in his career now. He's averaging 1.2 assists. He's averaging 1.4 this year. And it's something that I thought he was really going to excel at. Um, You know, kind of that small forward playmaking big. But it doesn't seem to be what his value is. Mm Mm-hmm. So I just needed to throw that out there because that's what I thought he was going to do. And it doesn't seem like that's really translating. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's only his second year. Hopefully he gets it figured out because I was really high on him. Alrighty. Uh, and then we're just going to rattle off some guys. These are some nice guys. There's some nice guys. There's some good guys. There's nice old guys. guys. There's a couple young guys. Who knows? Maybe you find something in them. Bruce Brown. Dean Wade. Shake Milton, Frank Jackson, Cam Reddish. Not Cam Reddish. This is an anti-Cam Reddish podcast now because he screwed me on Reddit and made me look foolish. And how dare he. But also I'm rooting for him to prove me right. Rudy Gay, Georges Nyang, Kem Birch, Carmelo Anthony, Duncan Robinson, Derek Rose, and PJ Tucker. And I think that's going to wrap it up, Noah. I really oh. like Rudy Gay. Keep an eye on Rudy Gay, guys. I think he's going to play a really good role for this Jazz team, and I think he's going to be. I think. I think Rudy Gay, Colin, if he would have started the year healthy, would have been a sneaky, sneaky, sneaky six man of the year, because I think that really? Jazz bench con might have two to three potential six man of the year kind of guys. It's they're an interestingly constructive team. Yeah, I know he had twenty points in his first game back, which was very cool to watch. And mm-hmm. he roasted Demar on on Instagram, which was pretty funny. <laughs> so, yeah, go check out Demar's most recent Instagram post. That's a plug. Uh, and that's going to do it for bench chatter on this Sunday. Why don't you sign us off, Noah?
Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Bench Chatter, the Common Man's NBA podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Bench underscore Chatter. Please. Just one person, guys. Please. Just one person anybody. follow us. Literally I'd be anybody. Happy. Somebody that doesn't know us. Come on. I, Colin and I just literally tweet out tweets to our friends, guys. Yeah. Come on. It, I, I know some of you just Redditors. I know some of you Redditors have. Why aren't you following us? Yeah, yeah, follow us. Come on. Do it. Do it. At right. bench underscore chatter. <laughs> Please. Please. But with that being said, we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Wednesday. See ya. All